This week's episode is brought to you in part by FNX Fit, a fitness supplements brand that can get you hooked up with all of your pre, post, during workout needs as well as other nutritional supplements. Use checkout code CARLPOOLING at fnxfit.com to get 15% off your order. inside with covid got you down are you bored are you out of things to do do you wish it was Mm -hmm. summer already well come Mm -hmm. to the carl pool party Uh, our marketing team is making me do this Uh, we've got (laughs) uh, we're grilling out super the uh, super hot takes on the grill hot takes fresh off the charcoal we've got Girls in sexy two-piece theses. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to be pounding ideas with the boys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got great wrap-ups on politics, my dude. Yeah. We're going to... You could cool off by taking a dive into a good book. <laughs> Are you... Feeling a little stressed out. Don't yeah. worry. Everything is suffering and pain. <laughs> Come hang out with us and we'll tell you about it. Hey, pour yourself a full glass of of ice cold jokes about trannies. Um that one I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that went with the, the other joke listen, at all. Listen, Hunter, listen. You're gonna want you're gonna want to to get out on the yard and throw some philosophy into the the board with a slant and the hole in the middle and they and you throw cornhole. It they, yeah, it's cornhole. you're gonna do it's, that. It's cornhole, Chris. Welcome to Carl Pooling Gang. Uh, we're not throwing a pool party, but uh, we might. It just if, if also that- it's February. You terrorist! <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? It's not only February. Like half the country is under like a foot of ice right now. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Texas is Texas is is like a meter higher than normal because it's just ice, and you can't open your front door, and your dog is dead. Uh, yeah, it's cold. But wasn't it fun for just a minute to think about a uh, a Carl Pool party? Um, yeah, I mean it, it was great. Yeah. Listening to some great tunes like that, dan, 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 dan it over and over again on repeat for the entire day. Oh, it would yeah, be so we, good. we only have the rights to one song, so we can't, yeah. we can't yeah. have more. Hey, play something by ABBA. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> Sorry, we murdered the guy who asked for the ABBA song. Yeah, but we can't even afford the name Ab. I'm having to star out the last two to three letters of ab yeah and you'll never know if i or two two to one i guess is what i mean regardless it's not important hunter can you name one abba song uh take a chance on me my good man all right all right just checking just gotta make sure 
I know where you're at. This is Carl Pooling. It's a podcast that'll get you fired. You'll have plenty of time to spend at the pool if you do. We talk about all the things that are off limits. That's politics, religion, philosophy, science, tranny jokes, and we do it all for free just for you once a week. Thank you for joining us yet again. Today is a special day in the Carl Pooling family. We've broke another milestone in our subscriber count. And I'm telling you this not to brag. I'm telling you this because there's a considerable, yeah, gratitude second. But first, in in times like this, Hunter, never gratitude first. Screw these people. Uh, No, but in, in times like this, sometimes you feel like you're on an island. You can't say what you think at work. You can't say what you think online, on social media. You can't say what you think uh, at church, maybe even. I've seen a little bit of that going around. There are at least 800 people out there in the world that feel like you do uh, listening to Carl Poole on the daily. We had 800 dailies yesterday, and so there's a network of people that are feeling what you feel and thinking what you think and being challenged in the same way. And that's awesome. I'm glad that that's something that this show has created. But I also, to your point, Hunter, realize that's not something at all that we provided. That's just really cool that you guys have have been paying attention to us and giving us your time, and we don't take it for granted. And uh, just thank you. I appreciate that and know that there's other people out there who who care about the things you care about. I, when I see that number, I it, sometimes it's just it's just oh tracking my success, you know. And I I realize that's really the long, wrong way to look at it. What it really means is that that's 800 people who engaged with us and our ideas today and when you put that in perspective and just think about the faces or what they might look in a room i mean that's truly truly humbling so i appreciate what you all have created for us and uh, what we've created together so that means a lot to us i I really really hate the fact that steve keeps showing up in that altar top steve like (laughs) like i mean first off steve Steve, save it for the pool party. No one wants save to see the, skin in a dark auditorium. Save it for the pool party and get yourself ready for that pool party, Steve. Yes, yeah, Steve. You know what I mean. Steve, get it there, looks Steve. like you've let yourself go a little <laughs> like, bit. The halter top, it, it, it's as if somebody put a handkerchief on top of a backyard blow-up exercise ball. Hmm. And there's only I'm one cure for that. Pretend like Hunter. that's a, that's a normal metaphor that, that I've definitely heard before. <laughs> you look like one part of a snowman, Steve. Steve, what you need is fnxfit.com. That's right, coming at you at the top of the hour. Carlpooling.com/fnx. Get your fat ass in shape, you mongrel, you pile of ooze, you wow. mushy, pathetic piece of crap. You need. Hmm. To lift, you need to pump iron, you need supplements immediately. Have you look in a mirror, take your shirt off right now, wherever you are, and look in the closest mirror. I don't care if that's Coles. Hunter just followed my direction and I regret <laughs> it. Um, so look, do you see that? Look at that and tell me you don't need supplements. It's it's like shameful. It. Wow. Go get some supplements, fnxfit.com. Use checkout code CARLPOOLING to get 15% off. Hunter? Yep. I'm thinking that maybe abuse isn't the best way to sell a product. You know, Christopher, I think that maybe we shouldn't 
advocate for less subscribers uh, because I'm afraid what power will do to you. (laughs) (laughs) If anything, the last couple of minutes have shown me is, you know, I I might be right. I'll just put it that way. I don't mean to be mean, but, you know, there might be some reason to that, some validity to that theory. (laughs) Hunter, there's, there's the... You can you can slice it and dice it any way you want. The truth is that we live in the 21st century. Modern science is amazing. Nutritional science is amazing, and our listeners are just utter sloths. They are they are <laughs> oversized potato bugs rolling around on the floor, uh, mm. globular and oblong and hideous. And the only thing that can save them right now is nutritional science. Uh, specifically the one that gives me money. If you go to oh, yeah. GNC, yeah, they're going to sell you some anabolic steroids and some some human growth hormone, and you're going to turn into the hunchback of Notre Dame. You're going to look like the ugly brother of the assistant from Young Frankenstein. I don't know how to make this more clear to you, but... FNX, on the other hand, they sell a bunch of great stuff. I've been using some of their sleeping aids that have been working wonders for me because I never sleep, and uh, couldn't endorse them any more than I do, uh, except for I could. We usually throw them under the bus, and you ride along with them. So while you're together under the bus, please, carpooling.com slash FNX, and check out code is carpooling, 15% off your order. Uh, yeah, seriously, uh, just having some fun there. But seriously, it means a lot that you guys are checking in, listening to the show. It's kind of bizarre that it's just two guys with microphones uh, that happened to be brothers and had a stupid idea one time about putting them into a car. And now 800 people get to hear uh, the crazy stuff we say, uh, you know, so really appreciative of it. Hopefully we continue to deliver content that is worthy of your time and uh, makes you guys feel like you're getting something positive out from that and that's what we're going to continue to try and do and Um, and more of it more important than any of that remember um that we're talking about daily subscribers right now when we hit five thousand monthly subscribers hunter has to get a tattoo and our our all-time high right now was back in like october november and it was 2400 and so we're almost halfway there and uh, we're just charging right on up so a big tattoo for hunter hunter you never specified and the, uh, if we were talking dailies or monthlies, and here's the thing, I might have misled you. However, <laughs> you definitely misled me. Monthly subscribers <laughs> is the standard metric for podcasts, so I just like I went boilerplate. You tried to get niche; it's not going to work out for you the way that you'd hope. Um, I need my lawyers to call your lawyers. <laughs> it's just two guys in a car and both of their individual lawyers. Um, yes, exactly. Welcome to Carpooling, oh. the most litigious podcast on the net. Uh, today mm. we'll be suing each other and ourselves. Uh, right. Hunter, before I take legal action, please mm. deliver to us the roadkill. Right. Uh if you've been with the show for a length of time, uh, we've mentioned this character before. Um, no, it's not AOC. Uh, ye of uh, short time spans with the show. Um, it, it's someone else entirely. And it seems obvious at this point, Chris, that this individual is suffering hold, hold, from... Hold, 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 hold. Hold on, let's play a game. Let's give them three hints and then pause it. And if you pause it and email us 
and said, uh, guess correctly, honor system here, before you hear the answer, then we'll have a special Carl Pulling surprise for you. Um, uh, oh, all right. If you're the first one to, to email okay. in. Um, all right. So, th- so three hints. Yep. First uh, hint. This person long- has never gone to fnxfit.com. Just read it's apparent. That's a good hint. Never gone. Second hint, Hunter. Blonde. <laughs> okay. And uh, um, third hint. Third hint. Sexually assaults massage therapists. That that's almost a dead giveaway, Chris. That's almost a dead giveaway right there. Come yeah, on, there's you not, gotta know it. There's Hunter, not many people. Okay, who, so who performed that act? Pause now. Honest system. Email us. Special Carl pulling surprise. Hunter, tell them what they've won. Uh, you've won an all-paid expense trip to your living room. Burm, 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 burm. Thank you, COVID, for not yeah. letting us give the trip to Hawaii that we had planned. It's ah, just, it's so it's just not safe to do right it's now. It's not so. safe. Uh, I what if that would be a cool thing? What if we uh, what if we gave away like a little video chat with a, a listener that doesn't already know us? That'd be pretty cool. Sure. Yeah, maybe cool. we'll do that. Um, uh, anyhow, right. uh, Hunter, let's hear the the correct answer. What individual are we talking about? So far, we know whale sized and roughly blonde and sexually assaults massage therapists and wax artists. Do 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 do. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that you were like setting me up to basically say like video chat and I went straight for <laughs> the stupid bad joke and then you quickly saved it. You are truly a radio legend, brother. Oh, uh, thank but you. We, but we are talking about uh, uh, Jessica Yaniv. And <laughs> in the latest news surrounding this individual... Uh, Jessica Yaniv has been accused of harassing emergency first responders with lewd conduct. Um, Essentially, (laughs) Jessica uh, was in a bathtub and called 911 complaining uh, that they couldn't get out, so to speak. That it was stuck in the bathtub. (laughs) That it was... Look, if you haven't seen a picture of of, of it, Google it now. And you'll realize that's entirely plausible. Right. Um, and I'm sure it obviously is something that 911 callers respond to. Yeah. Um, because they went out there and handled it's called it a appropriately. Right. Right. It's a taft. <laughs> yeah. And so the 911 responders uh, came to her house, went up the stairs, found her in the bathtub, completely naked. And then were proceeded to be uh, hit on in the most inappropriate way possible from a uh, fully a fully nude Yaniv. Yes. Um, yes. So okay. it's gross. It's it, really gross. It's a disgusting thing to do. Uh, it laid a nude trap for firefighters, effectively. And it rem- mm-hmm. let's remember who this person is that we're talking about. Jessica Yaniv right. is this transgender activist who tried to sue sue female massage parlors because they wouldn't wax his balls, um, among other things. Assaulted people on the street, been arrested a couple of times. I think she's out of Canada. Um, I'm, I've she noticed, approached small girls, too. 
Oh, right? yeah. Disgusting. Right. She's a, right. or he's a pedophile, I should say. Yeah. It, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and getting very graphic with, with underage women about uh, feminine hygiene product usage and can you send me a picture of your used feminine product and just really disgusting stuff. Now, mm-hmm. let's be clear, Hunter. It is becoming more and more apparent that Jessica is suffering from a mental suffering. illness. Yeah. Yes. And truly suffering. And, and we don't usually pick on people that are suffering with a mental illness. There's two reasons that we're talking about Jessica. And while I will hound her to the ends of the earth or him, hound they to the hound Z to the ends of the earth. <laughs> Is the, the reason is because two things. One, I don't care how autistic you are. If you're a pedophile, you're a pedophile. And we don't forgive pedophilia. There's no reason to forgive pedophilia. And the fact that he's being defended for his pedophilia because of his trans status is absolutely reprehensible. That's one. The second reason is, and this is the more important reason, I would say, the media took him seriously. We wouldn't be taking Jessica Yaniv seriously if the mainstream media didn't take Jessica Yaniv seriously. They prop up these crazy people. AOC falls into this category, not in the mental illness sense, but somebody who's willing to say obviously obtuse things. They prop these people up for the story, and they take them seriously, and you have to respect their truth, and you have to respect the journey, and all of this gobbledygook nonsense. And it was clear from the outset that this person was a predator, that they were completely unhinged so when we're making fun of jessica sexual deviance yeah half of it's for the pedophilia which which i have no remorse for um and the other half of it is sticking in the eye of an insane media you know media system that decided that this clearly wild person's story deserved to be told so Mm. that you should just know so now it's beaching itself on unsuspecting ceramic uh bathtubs and then latching on to firefighters when they approach so anyhow also in other jessica news apparently she had bottom surgery and posted pictures of a sore that she had online so this uh on twitter so just enter at your own risk family (laughs) Enter at your own risk. Yeah, that's that's more of an alert to steer clear from the Google searches than to jump in there uh, wholeheartedly if you think the rest of the story was interesting. So, yeah, um, not yeah, and I th- I think you just said it perfectly right, Chris. The reason to talk about this person who's clearly struggling with some major mental issues is not to necessarily poke fun at them but poke fun at a society that can't seem to defend itself against that lunacy yeah right it we can't we can't find a way to like clearly state what's going on here which should be obvious to everybody and instead we are almost taken hostage by those ideas and by this person by proxy and it's it's not appropriate and more people need to be aware of it so that it can end Um, yeah so oh well and and if it was simply this person is is crazy and we're paying attention to them that would be one thing but truly the media attention defended part of her pedophilia which is absolutely mm-hmm. disgusting his pedophilia so we're seeing that happen more and more though oh sure you know? so oh. And, anyway. and that's why it deserves to be talked about because uh, as as much as i can feel for someone with a mental illness i will always feel for an innocent child more um and and, and this person 
you look you look at them talk they're functioning enough to survive but not enough to elicit uh nude photographs from underage girls so a big big a, a go a, a long walk off a short pier award big enough to big enough to contain all that is Jessica Yaniv both physically and special needsedly so anyway thanks for stopping by Jessica don't let the door hit you, you on the way out today. that's ridiculous you're going to hit it you touch both jams so wow uh, wow anyhow <laughs> always always love a good Jessica a good Jessica always story love a good and, and mm-hmm. you know the media was taking her so seriously at first, and now every time it, she pops back up, he pops back up. It's like, uh, you know, oh, murdered a kitten with an axe. Like it's never not a good story. Now it's never. It's always like the worst story, and it's like, pick the people you want to defend, man. Yeah, you know. So of course, anyway. no one will hold the media to account for that. No one will. No one will circle back with them and said, uh, maybe you guys are completely terrible at your jobs. And you are opportunistic charlatans, but um, that's what you have Carl pulling for. So, yeah, we're the only opportunistic charlatans you need. Yes, that's right. Don't go <laughs> other places for your charlatanery. Right. Don't Google that word. <laughs> I promise you it's real. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> Just trust us. Uh, that's uh, the latest Carl Perganda section. Uh, little Carl Perganda there. Just charlatanery. Definitely a word. Don't look it up. Um, I love it. Hunter, I am so excited about today's topic for a couple of reasons. One okay. is because this passage I love particularly. And second, because it's been a while since we have talked full, just straight philosophy and in addition to that, it's been an eternity since we've actually gone through a philo- philosophical text. So, what are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about Barney Goes to the Floating Castle, uh, Volume 2, Oh No, I Left Baby Bop. See, the thing about Volume 1 is it sets up everything in Volume 2, but it doesn't deliver. You don't have the reconciliation with, mm-hmm. I literally, that you've exhausted my knowledge of characters from Barney. <laughs> uh, what, what is it? D.D. Uh, Dexter? What was the what was the yellow dinosaur? You just went through the remember. Dexter's Laboratory characters. I think you're... I did. Yeah. I did. I'm done. Um, look. <laughs> The crossover with Sesame Street, bailed us out, was ambitious, but necessary. And the reconciliation with Big Bird was done uh, tastefully, yet beautifully. And personally, I think that the sex scene was a little overwrought. (laughs) But notwithstanding, uh, the way they resolved resolved uh, Gonzo's heroin addiction, I thought, spoke to all of us. So we're going to discuss that today. Um, Yeah. Who haven't well, we been sued by <laughs> at this point? Uh, the mouse. <laughs> Do we want to take them on real quick, or are we good? Uh, the Daily Wire and Gina Carano got them stapled down. Let's give them a break. They've got more than That's they can fair. handle at the moment. That's fair. Uh, um, no, we're going to be talking some... Mm, they just... Yeah. They never catch a break on her. No, they don't. Poor guys. They got the mouse. They got the, the Wars of the Stars, and they even got the Marvel stuff. And South Park is... Can't 
completely destroyed oh, wow. their lower intestine is moving up further. Like they're just they get it from every angle. So they do. They do. And deservedly so. Um so we're not talking about whatever the heck I said. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> today we're talking about um uh, one of the most quoted philosophers um and at times I think one of the more misunderstood philosophers too. We're going to mm-hmm. be going through a little bit of Nietzsche. Um and he's a guy I think we've you've probably heard us discuss on the show. He's a guy you've probably even looked up once or twice and read something on and he's probably a guy you've heard some people talk about. Um He's incredibly complicated. He's incredibly difficult to understand. Uh, but we're going to be reading a passage today uh, that is quite prescient and quite timely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's from his uh, book, Thus Spoke Zarathustra. I think I said that reasonably well. Um, you doubled up on your is, R's, but mostly good. Zarathustra. Well, you know, whatever. You know, people, <laughs> can't, people can't win everything. Also... I have been taking Russian, and I roll my R's, and I've noticed I've just brought that into other places. So, ah. you know, blah, blah, blah. but anyway, that was a really good roll. Um, and we're going to be reading mouth check. There it is. Um, and so we're going to be uh, reading, not necessarily reading through, but we are going to be discussing uh, the section called the tarantulas. And Chris, as your oldest brother, technically um, true. When you suggested we read this, my immediate thought was, but won't you be scared, little brother, because of all the <laughs> spiders? <laughs> and I know, as being your older brother, that you don't do very well with spiders. Look, so, I God, was shocked. God doesn't make mistakes. Right. Everyone well, I'm pretty sure fear. whatever magic paintbrush he used to make the animals, he had just right. gotten done with seahorse, and he was like, that is that is the shiz. It's not getting any better than that. He put the paintbrush down, and, and <laughs> Lucifer swept by and was like, real quick, while he's not looking, I'm going to make a spider. It's going to have eight legs, eight eyes. This thing won't make any sense. By the way, it's totally silent. It... <laughs> makes silk um, out of its butt that you can walk through, but you can't see. And also it's got a giant stinger. For extra fun, what if we added this roulette game where some of them don't bite at all and some of them kill you in 30 seconds? It's like just the worst. They are the worst. (laughs) I hate spiders so much. Um, I don't even like Spider-Man. Uh, because I feel like he, I feel like doesn't have enough legs. I agree. Parlaying with the enemy, Hunter, and I, I don't appreciate his treason. Uh, anyhow, yeah, I absolutely I, hate spiders, and it was for a long time I had no idea why. And then I read this passage by by Frederick Nietzsche. I was like, ah, that's why. So yeah, before we, it's jump always into- important to remember, Christopher, that. Most spiders that you interact with in your life are the ones that you don't see. Yeah. Apparently... It's important. Okay. It's important to remember that. The statistic... (laughs) Hunter, literally, I I can't feel my left foot right now. Um, (laughs) Apparently, the statistic about you swallowing like a thousand spiders every time you close your eyes, I can't remember it exactly, is untrue. It's not real. Apparently, that's fake. Um, Which, even if it's not... Do not email me. <laughs> I need this, okay? I'm I bad enough this. at sleeping as it is. Fnxfit.com. Great sleeping pills. So great sleeping pills. 
So um, let's talk a little bit about the book, Thus Spoke Zarathustra, and a little bit about Nietzsche before we jump into the text, just for a little context. Uh, Mm -hmm. So Frederick Nietzsche, famous philosopher, most famous for announcing the death of God, and that's an often extremely misunderstood part of his philosophy. His magnum opus was Thus Spoke Zarathustra. And, and it's a selection of teachings and parables and learnings that contain basically his entire philosophy. It also includes the parable of, of the death of God in Thus Spoke Zarathustra. So in a lot of ways, it's his most famous work. Uh, even if people don't know that they know it. What, what, not saying it's exclusive to Thus Spoke Zarathustra, by the way. He, he introduces the topic in earlier books and fulfills it in Thus Spoke. So I'm going to read to you a quote by Nietzsche that he wrote down in Ecce Homo. No idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Look, he's German, okay? But give him a chance. Just give him a chance, okay? They're not Just all, give him a chance. Give him a chance. So this is his quote. With thus spoke Zarathustra, I have given mankind the greatest present that has ever been made to it so far. This book, with a voice bridging centuries, is not only the highest book there is, the book that is truly characterized by the air of the heights. The whole fact of man lies beneath it at a tremendous distance. It is also the deepest, born out of the innermost wealth of the truth, an inexhaustible well, to which no pale descends without coming up again, filled with gold and goodness. Okay, buddy. <laughs> okay, buddy. Slow yeah. down, and that, Frederick. And that is like, some people might see hear that and go like, well, maybe that was like a humble man's once very proud comment about what he wrote one time and you'd be no, wrong yeah you'd be you'd be 100 wrong and i i'm not even saying you'd be that crazy to make that take mm-hmm. this is par for the course um he had said in a single sentence i can write what more men can write in a book and he said actually that's not even true they can't get it done in a book and, and here's the thing about nietzsche two things even in the quote I just read, there's certain things that obviously I disagree with. It's not the greatest book of all time. You're going to have to look over to mm-hmm. the Bible for that one, homie. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's an inexhaustible well. I will say that I doubt that we've plumbed the depths of it yet. Um, and another thing I'll say about it is that the part, especially where he says this book with a voice bridging centuries, uh, that that sentence, he's right about that. Like, for right. all of his boasting, he's correct that, that what is written in Thus Spoke Zarathustra continues to be important even today. And he was ahead of his time. In this specific instance, he was about mm, 30 years ahead of his time, give or take, because he foretold the the sorrows that the equality doctrine would bring, which happened shortly after in Russia, uh, mm. and then in Germany, and then in Italy, and then everywhere. And it's happening mm-hmm. in the United States right now, and that's why we're going to discuss it today. One other thing to know about his bravado and his debonair and cavalier attitude in that quote, this was actually integrated into his philosophy. I think one of the weakest points of Nietzsche yes. is that he had this idea that we needed a Superman. So when he talks about God being dead, 
when he announced the death of God. He didn't do so with glee. It wasn't a grinning atheist who made that claim. It was the sad realization of a intelligent man who realized that the metaphysical underpinnings that had supported society's belief in God were crumbling in the face of the Enlightenment, and that in time we would lose a moral system and move to a morally relativistic system if we did not follow the new gods who would ascend to the heights, as he often likes to discuss. And mm. those are the supermen, what he would call them before before uh, DC Comics got a chance. And, and these people were to lead society pantheonically into the new age where man would become his own god. So I say that to say that might help you understand him a little bit better. He's flawed. But that doesn't mean he lacks value. It's not a binary, of course. I, I obviously disagree a lot with Nietzsche on the point you just outlined. It's actually the um, where he admits to the fact that losing God means that mankind will no longer have a, mor a moral foundation mm -hmm. is one of the reasons I actually prefer him to a lot of modern atheists when I read him. Sure. Um, because I think the thing that Sam Harris, and I think gets wrong here, is that he doesn't believe there's any reason to prove out that it's wrong to do some certain certain actions, lie, uh, kill, steal, because they're morally obvious wrong and we shouldn't um, perpetrate them. Mm. And to not do that justice here, but to just say... What Nietzsche found out was, and what's true, it's the same thing Carl Jung, and it's the same thing the Bible will tell you too, is that work that all the way down to the bottom, and it's not good enough. And right. it's a socially liberal culture will always found will always find the bottom being taken out of it and not having a way. It's the same thing we're talking about with Yaniv, fight against um, uh, uh, ideas that require a moral response, right? Yeah, that's it, such... It, it doesn't have a good defense against that. That's such good groundwork, Hunter. I think you're totally right. Um, it, Nietzsche, in fact, one of my, my primary critique of him is that he lacked the creativity to think that the God that they believed in based on the, the lack of science that was available pre-enlightenment was not as complex and interesting as the God that science would discover. And so he, he moved mm -hmm. to the Superman instead of, uh, instead of embracing the deeper mysteries of the metaphysical. And I, I, and I think that's super important. And of course we always will have those, those foundations with us truly. I think the more that we learn, we realize the less that we know, you know, he was at a time in history where, it felt like we were learning at a breakneck pace before the confusion of all of the additional questions started piling up. So mm. I, I agree. I like him. I like him a lot too. I think there's a ton to learn from him because he was such a accurate diviner of the human condition, but his solutions were wrong, were wrong. Right. And so right. keep that in mind as we read this, but, but today we're going to talk specifically about a passage where he pretty much nailed it. And it's interesting because he, he was philosophizing 
and proselytizing. And there were, he, he was giving hope to what he saw as a hopeless situation in the Superman. And he, he called it his doctrine of life, if you will, how society would continue to live on. And simultaneously, there were other philosophers and thinkers that were also embracing the doctrine of life and providing hope for, through, for humanity through the guise of radical equality, um, equality of outcome specifically, and that's clear in the text. And this is effectively what Nietzsche thought about that. So why don't we dive right in? Hunter, I'll read a little bit and then we'll, we'll pause. Okay. Thus spoke Zarathustra, chapter 29, the tarantulas. Behold, that this is the whole of the tarantula. Do you want to see the tarantula itself? Here hangs its web. Touch it, that it tremble. There it comes willingly. Welcome, tarantula. Your triangle and symbol sits black on your back, and I also know what sits in your soul. Revenge sits in your soul. Wherever you bite, black scabs grow. Your poison makes the soul whirl with revenge. Interesting so far. Because he's talking about this beast that uh, that goes around and makes scabs and bites things and it's motivated by revenge in its soul, right? And it's poison, he says, and this is super accurate, it's poison makes the souls of the victims whirl with revenge. So it's a it's a vengeance-filled organism that propagates vengeance like a virus, is what he's talking about. He hasn't been clear about who he's talking about yet, but that's the idea that he's he's getting to. Yeah. Um, no, I think he's doing a good job of describing something. And we, we know creatures like this to some extent too you know human beings like this to some extent too and so you know we we can see the metaphor here pretty quickly that this is applying to um somebody and you're there's a reason why he spends the first three lines so to speak not telling us who he's talking about right (laughs) right he's he's getting our attention with the metaphor and showing us and because what he's going to say in the fourth line, when he finally reveals who these people are, it's going to, it's going to strike us. It's going to be surprising that this is the, this is the tarantula, that this is the enemy, so to speak. Yeah. Um, uh, Hunter, what's that, what's that, that black comic who went to Africa? Uh, Chappelle. He, Dave Chappelle's him here. Remember the bit from Chappelle where he was like talking about how the, there were these people that sucked and they would always think that what they had to say, he always thought what he had to say was the most important, whatever, and everyone in the audience, the audience starts yelling Trump, and then he goes, no, it's you. <laughs> yeah, it's mm-hmm. the audience. Yeah, anyway, that's what he's doing right, right. here. So let's keep going. Right. Thus I speak to you in a parable, you who make souls whirl, you preachers of equality. Okay, the gig is up. To me, you are tarantulas and secretly vengeful, but I shall bring your secrets to light. Therefore, I laugh in your faces with my laughter of the heights. Therefore, I tear at your webs that your rage may lure you out of your lie holes and your revenge may leap out from behind your word, justice. For that man be delivered from 
revenge. That is, for me, the bridge to the highest hope and a rainbow after long storms. All right, unpack that, Hunter. I'm, I'm not smart enough. <laughs> <laughs> You're lying. Um, so we learn that these people that are seeking revenge and infecting others with revenge are, in fact, the preachers and the proponents and the professors of equality. Now, that idea should strike you a little oddly at first, mm-hmm. um, obviously, and that's why it's put together in this way. Um, it's not clear why somebody who wants things to be, so to speak, fair is motivated by revenge. Right. We also learn and, of, of Nietzsche's motivation here, and it, it's twofold. In this passage specifically, his motivation is to enrage these preachers of equality to make them show their revenge, that they're motivated by revenge and that word hide behind the word justice. And then he also talks about the reason why he thinks it's important to enrage the preachers of equality. And it is because for him, the highest good is for man to be delivered from revenge. That's... That's a really interesting thought, that the highest goal, that man be delivered from revenge, that's the bridge to the highest hope in a rainbow after long storms. Uh, right. And man, you could think about that for a minute. You could. Um, to go back to the equality thing for just a moment, and oh, I sure. want to play off the point you just made. Um, if instead your game when you're playing with equality is not to treat everyone fairly, such as, Chris, based on your actions, I choose to treat you according to your actions, and I don't hold any um, hatred towards your immutable characteristics that you can't change, right? Mm -hmm. I instead want to make everybody the same, right? Regardless of how you act. Right. Right. That's motivated from that can be motivated from revenge. It's like I'm so sick and tired of whoever the rich guy on the hill having everything. What about him? And it's like he sucks. I hate him. And then <laughs> the idea there, you can you people think that all the time. They always want to take people down a peg. The funny thing is when they try that in Russia and they killed all these successful farmers or the kulaks, they mm-hmm. all starved because yeah. nobody else knew how to grow food and. It's worth thinking about that for some time. But I want to go back to your point there about um, to remove revenge from mankind as a greatest goal that we can achieve. Funny thing about that is, is that's the Dostoevskian. Thank you. I couldn't get to that out. Idea regarding um, that he takes in Brothers Kramazov. And it's the idea yes. that uh, Father Zosima's younger brother says uh, when he's dying, essentially that we are all um, we are all servants to one another, and I, the greatest servant of all, and I am responsible essentially for all of mankind's sins. Yes, right. Well, and, and it, so that is it's also what Christ does at the end of the Brothers Karamazov, right? Um, you're thinking about the um, Grand Inquisitor that happens within the within the story itself, but yes, you're you're correct. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yes, um, when he when he k- 
kisses him and, and walks out the door and leaves the door open. That's the, the part I'm referencing. Correct. It, it, it's, it's such a good book because he actually returns the Judas kiss, right? Um, right. But, yeah. but doesn't then leaves you to, to hope, not seals your fate. So Dostoevsky definitely plays with this idea. I think, I think actually the thing that's so interesting about that and this revenge idea, and I think it might be why Nietzsche is such an interesting person t- to learn from, is because both that idea about you being responsible for mankind's sins and to be liberated from revenge, they're, they're, they're tangential, although they're definitely not the same, and they definitely don't mm-hmm. go to, to the same depth. Um, that idea of being responsible for mankind's sin is the, it's the articulation of what Christ does on the cross. Yes, absolutely. It's, and it's, it's the most, it's the most powerful way I've ever seen read describing that action. That's what it actually means. That, that's the, that is the bridge that, that is the deliverance. This is absolutely, Mm -hmm. even if he's wrong about what he thinks God is, this is absolutely Mm -hmm. salvation. Uh, there's right. no two ways to read it, but th- that will be the time when mankind is delivered from revenge, right? So, right, um, right. Like we said, flawed. There's a ton to learn here. Okay, let's keep going. So he says that delivered from revenge for that man to be delivered from revenge. That is for me the bridge to the highest hope and a rainbow after long storms. When we continue, the tarantulas, of course, would have it otherwise. What justice means to us is precisely that the world be filled with storms of our revenge. Thus they speak to each other. We shall wreak vengeance and abuse on all whose equals we are not. Thus do the tarantula hearts vow. And will to equality shall henceforth be the name for virtue. And against all that has power, we want to raise our clamor. Mic drop. So here, Nietzsche is saying that the tarantulas are filled with the storms of revenge for exactly what you were alluding to, Hunter, that we will wreak vengeance and abuse on all whose equals we are not. It's about, it's the, it's the lower path to discovering the weaknesses in yourself is to, to wreak havoc on those who you cannot equal. And mm. it's also a, a blistering critique. I mean, the, the, those who love equality and hide behind the word justice are not enthused by being revealed that their their true motivation is greed and vengeance and conceit. Uh, it's it's about as direct as you can speak to that issue. Um, mm. And you got to remember that that Nietzsche's writing this in what 1870, 1880. Uh, I, I don't know. Anyhow, uh, it. He he's writing this before the idea came to fruition, at least in a socio-political sense, and mm-hmm. it's before the Frankfurt. It's spot school. on, yeah. Before before the Frankfurt, or or not necessarily before the school, but before its most its most po- most outspoken deconstructionalist components, for sure. So, yeah. I'm seeing 1883 to 1885 when this was published, so you were very, very close. Okay, gotcha. So let's keep going. Uh, but I, I that that mm, that's such a brilliantly written passage. Then he speaks to them. You preachers of equality, the tyrannomania of impetus clamors thus out of you for equality. Your most secret ambitions to be tyrants thus shroud themselves in words of virtue, aggrieved conceit repressed envy, 
Perhaps the conceit and envy of your fathers erupt from you as a flame and as the frenzy of revenge. For what is silent in the father speaks in the son, and often I found the son the unveiled secret of the father. All right, everyone get on board. We're bringing dad into this. We're bringing your childhood into this. We're bringing your upbringing yeah. into this. Uh, he he doesn't he doesn't lead up, and he he says that the there. This is such an excellent point in regards to the um, race relations in America. All right, hit me. Well, because how much are we paying for the sins of our fathers right now on both sides? For sure. You know, and I think this is such, I, I, I can't remember exactly how I heard this, but it was in a um, old story, an anime, no less, where the author was dealing with racism to some extent um, between two fake species. And he has one of his characters do something that's just kind of strange. And I can't remember it perfectly, but I thought it was such an amazing idea. He says, like, you know what? I have essentially racism in my heart and I'm going to die with that racism. I am not going to let it go to somebody else. I'm going to take it out of this world hmm. with me is the, is the idea. And I think so much um, in both, in both, in both heritages, um, both the stars and bars and the um, slave, Right have have this same issue where it's like because of what was done to my father in the past i'm i'm a victim and i can act against others you know what i mean sure and you can see different forms of the equality getting in there in different places but it's it is important to let the old wars die Mm -hmm. in your life and not to keep them going um and you can be not necessarily because in both of those instances that they have to deal with equality. One of them definitely does. Um, but you, you can see what I'm saying there is you, you have to, you have to let, even if your father didn't necessarily have the voice sometimes, you have to let it go and see where you're at accurately. You can't live in the world that they lived in to some extent. Yeah, well, and, and it also oh, that's a great point, Hunter, and one that I wouldn't have gotten to. But the the other the thing that I'm thinking now that you've mentioned that is Z- Zarathustra Nietzsche talks so eloquently about why it's important to instill proper values in your children here, right? The right. what was silent in the father speaks in the son, and often I found the son in the son the unveiled secret of the father. Uh, mm-hmm. It matters the way that you that you instill values into your children and how you lead them because based on that line and of course Nietzsche in his his haughty style is saying this as an aside to himself right perhaps it's this he's doing a little psychoanalysis while he's destroying you but he Mm -hmm. he says that if you have conceit and envy as a father that it spreads to the son and not only does it spread but it becomes vocal um yeah that's the thing despite being an aside it's something that's so real and we see if that makes sense right you know what i mean and that that's the that's the problem with dealing with nietzsche is because every side tunnel is is a 
cavern of human uh humanity and how we act and how we deal with it and it's like this isn't even really what this is being discussed about and i think i don't even know if it's necessarily where you want to point and spend your time but it's like such a revelation if you're not prepared for it when you get to it right he, he um, has the writing style of somebody who has too many ideas you know uh, yes. not not in a yeah, bad way yes. in a good way um, right. There's another important thing that comes up in this passage that we need to mention, and it's that this is where he introduces the idea of tyranny. So, so far, there are these people motivated by revenge, but here he introduces the idea that they're, they want to form a tyranny of uselessness. He calls it the tyrannomania of impotence, clamors thus out of you for equality. Um, also, just to know, we'll switch translations a little bit. We're using a slightly modernized version for this first bit. We're going to switch back to the original translation at the end. But just uh, know that ty- tyranny enters the equation here. And he's going to speak to that more as we go on. So let's continue. Speaking of the preachers of equality, the tarantulas, they are like enthusiasts. Yet it is not the heart that fires them, but revenge. And when they become elegant and cold, it is not the spirit, but envy that makes them elegant and cold. Their jealousy leads them even on the paths of thinkers. And this is the sign of their jealousy. They always go too far. Till their weariness must in the end lie down to sleep in the snow. Out of every one of their complaints sounds revenge. In their praise there is always a sting. And to be a judge seems bliss to them. So, right off the bat, that last line, and to be a judge seems bliss to them. Here's another example of the tyranny. This is another example of the seeking of power that lies at the heart of the envy, right? Christopher, could you do me a favor yeah. and uh, read that read that line again in all their... Uh, that ends with them with judging being bliss. Yeah. Out of every one of their complaints sounds revenge in their praise. There is always a sting and to be a judge seems bliss to them. I want to just read the old, the older version, if you don't mind. Yeah. Cause I, I with that, cause I just think it's interesting here. So it's in all their lamentations soundeth vengeance and all their eulogies is maleficence and being judge seemeth to them bliss. I, really like the contrast between the second point there um old and new Mm -hmm. um where where it's almost like the old one is saying to some extent like every every time we commend those that have died even then it's a moment for us to say why the world is messed up Mm -hmm. and torn apart and use Never come together. Always use whatever we're taken to tear down. Right. Which, if that doesn't describe what we we see in the political world, I I don't know what else does. You know, um, so that's that's absolutely true, uh, and you certainly see that in the political realm. I mean, as a political society, we stand on the graves of the fallen almost ceaselessly for idiotic point scoring. And, and policy positioning, um, often in the name of equality. Mm-hmm. There's another yeah. interesting idea here, and it's about in them being enthusiasts, or I think the, the older version even calls them artists, or uh, something to that effect, 
what it means is those taken into a task with with fervor. It's not like oh I'm a I'm a PC enthusiast. It's like it, it, it's a it's one that studies the craft and the history of the craft, etc. Right? But it's not the mm. heart, the soul that fires them, but revenge. They're driven by revenge. And when they become elegant and cold, it's not the spirit. You can see he's very clearly talking about this connection between these the art and the the behavior of enthusiasts but mm. it's their jealousy and mm. if you read a bunch of nietzsche one thing you know is that uh art to him especially the written word is god uh the the creation of man is the highest order and, and that he's not very far off from that i remember one thing that mother said uh before she started with her lithium and she's been so even now but one thing that she said to me because she is a, a, a art teacher and a brilliant artist herself is that you're never more like god than when you're creating and there's a part of that that's true and there's a part of that that's that's deeply true even more true than i think i realize at the moment uh art mm. is a transportation to something deeper than the substrate upon which it is drawn uh, a, a good piece of art is well Nietzsche would say inexhaustible you know mm. and there's something divine about the act of creating and we know this because what on planet earth has more value than art and it's amazing because it's the cheapest of materials you know mm. parchment right. and dyes and yet people will make make treks across oceans to look at art and to be in the presence of something that the hand of the master touched you know and so when when nietzsche is is drawing this this illusion between enthusiasts and the spirit and the heart i think he's talking about the the true nature of man what plato or socrates might describe as archetypal spirit is what he's in reference to here in my opinion and that is interesting because he says that the spirit doesn't fire these enthusiasts but revenge and i think the point that he's trying to make here hunter i want to know your take on this i think he's saying that the will to equality becomes a religious experience for mm -hmm. these people and i think he's precisely right about that yeah, well, I think you I think you held the, hit the nail on the head. I mean, to say that being the judge is equivalent to bliss, right? Bliss is a word that we use to describe religious experiences. That's true. Right? Or it's a word that we use to describe um moments like like even like moments of intimacy, right? With you know, have a religious nature to them, correct? Absolutely. And like in, in the proper context, of course. And so I feel like I, I feel like that's what he's describing there. And I think there is something, there is something, to, there is something demonic about wanting to punish somebody Because you want what they have, which is what Nietzsche is accusing these people of. Mm -hmm. And we know that because we know when we feel like that. And there's nothing good about that emotion 
and it is a religious emotion. It's not something that it, 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 one way it might be to think about it if you took that in the context of like religious having to be something that's righteous. It's not an emotion that it exists in the physical true world. Absolutely. Right. You see what I'm saying? And so like it's something that exists it exists within human beings. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it's something metaphysical. It's something that that goes beyond um the action itself. And and, and so I I agree with you a lot. Go ahead. I was going to say, juxtapose that with the behavior of a mob, right? That is wreaking out vengeance for whatever it might be in their right. most violent tendencies. You can study the the anatomy of a mob and the way that the mob itself takes on its own spirit and takes on its own form. Mm. And I also think if you're being honest with yourself, you know that feeling. I think that we all know the feeling of having a group behind us cheering us on in our bitterness and our impotence and in our our weakness. And it's empowering. It, it you could describe it as intoxicating, I mm-hmm. think. And, and it certainly has the the cruel serendipity of a of a black sabbath you know what i'm saying there, there's something there righteousness is what it's it makes you think yeah an illusion of it you know like we are right and they're wrong man it, it, we can do whatever we want it's the exchange of gods right here here yeah. i am god and look at all these other gods agreeing with the fact that i am god and vengeance yeah. is mine saith chris you know what i'm saying um, and this is this is this is this is why this whole conversation fits nicely into this and has that demonic edge to it is they always go too far. That's right. Right. It's it's completely fine to say that, you know what, that guy who has it well up the hill, you know, maybe he should care about us a little bit more. You know, he doesn't live like we're really here. But you know what? It's his stuff. He gets to live however he wants. And heck, maybe he even earned it, you know. Not saying that's the right approach to have. But that approach doesn't go too far. Right. That approach is not motivated by vengeance, right? I'm not trying to say what's right. But there's a diff- There's a line that gets crossed there that's different in both the thoughts that are being put forward there. And when you actually want to act on that and harm somebody else and judge, right, mm-hmm. in the purely final sense of what that word means right which i didn't do in the second statement right right it 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 changes something and i think that's what nietzsche does here that's so good is it is how do you what is the sign of jealousy they always go too far that's right you know good call so all right so let's keep going but thus i counsel you my friends mistrust all in whom the impulse to punish is powerful they are people. Well, we did a lot of good on that one already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are people of a low sort in stock. The hangman and the bloodhound look out of their faces. Mistrust all who talk much of their justice. Verily, their souls lack more than honey. And when they call themselves the good and the just, do not forget that they would be Pharisees if only they had power. He couldn't yeah. be more right about that. We, we yeah. have an entire political movement in America based on the de- idea that there is no truth, there is only dichotomies of power. 
They're obsessed mm. with power. And, and mm. in that, they go too far. It, it is their raison d'etre. And now they're even open about that fact. Um, and Nietzsche wrote this down before. It was the lines were so clearly drawn for stupid people like Hunter and I today. But hmm. but that is exactly right. That that the tyranny of impotence would be a dogmatic, farcical theocracy in the truest sense of the word, with the addition of power. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we've I think we spoke to to this point all right a, a lot and and sorry? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, and I think I think it's such a great idea too that, you know, um you probably look, there there's a lot of um serial killers that would have been totally fine never being caught yeah is a great way to read this line um you know and think about the things that you would you would want to get away with had did you had you had the power and it's not a question to ask yourself when you're in a rational mindset or in a noble mindset it's a question to ask yourself when you're in a completely unrecognizable mindset Mm -hmm. and when you do something that you go Oh, that's weird. I was kind of having an off day. That's not me. Whenever you say that, go, what would that person do that I just said that's not me do if they had power? Yeah. What would that person have done if they could have gotten away with that? And ask that person that. And then it's like, well, then you got your answer. So That's the abyss, man. Yeah, dude. Um, All right. Let me finish out this this old section, and then we'll transition into the older section. Um, (laughs) my friends, I do not want to be mixed up and confused with others. Some preach my doctrine of life and are at the same time preachers of equality and tarantulas. Although they are sitting in their holes, these poisonous spiders with their backs turned on life, they speak in favor of life, but only because they wish to hurt. They wish to hurt those who now have power for among these, the preaching of death is still most at home. If it were otherwise, the tarantulas would teach otherwise. They themselves were once the foremost slanderers of the world and burners of heretics. I do not wish to be mixed up and confused with these preachers of equality. Uh, That's more of a return to the beginning, you know, laying the groundwork for the entire piece as a whole. I don't know that we need to go much further on that. Mm, Um, I agree. So you want to transition to the, uh, to the older translation here, Hunter? To finish it yes. up, you want to read? Yes. Uh, sure. Okay. Um, I believe I'm here. For thus speaketh justice unto me: men are not equal. And do we need to stop right there and unpack that line? I mean, like, I'm not even being funny about that. I feel like that might be the most controversial thing we say tonight. Uh, we might get to some more when we talk about the Superman, but sure. still. Um, actually, why don't you read? like two lines more because he yep. he does a little unpacking so let me start from the top there okay for thus speaketh justice unto me men are not equal and neither shall they become so why would be my love to the superman if i spake otherwise on a thousand bridges and piers shall they throng to the future and always there shall be more war and inequality among them thus doth my great love make me speak yeah it's a tough line 
It's a line that doesn't sit well with the going ethos of today. And effectively what he's saying here is that justice is created by injustice. That that justice is begot by lack of equality and it's through the the warring and contention of great men that we will find justice in the future. It's the it it is what will carry us forward. And that's why he loves the Superman because he sees him as the the arbiter of that justice. So this is actually that's great. You nailed it. I also feel like this line is not unreconcilable with the statement all men are created equal in the declaration of independence i agree yeah right and i think because the declaration of independence is making a statement of everyone before god right Mm -hmm. and it's like everybody before you before you know we're all the same when it comes to our rights and our unalienable rights and the way that society should treat us right but justice justice is the thing that actually deciphers between all of those people and you want that because when somebody wrongs you you want justice to say which one of you was the greater man and which one of you was the lesser man right uh well you know that's that's brilliantly put hunter and and not only that but the idea of the superman itself implies belief in the villain right right like exactly what you, you yeah. need a hierarchy and that's that's exactly what what Nietzsche is arguing here that you abandon the hierarchy of value at your own peril because Mm -hmm. without it, there can be no Superman. And he sees that as the, as what will lead to the highest good, that what will lead to deliverance from vengeance and revenge. And so, Mm. and he's not wrong in that in a temporal frame of reference he's actually exactly right that you have to have a value of hierarchy to well to get out of bed in the morning but much more to to establish courts of law that can adjudicate honestly and openly among men right so Mm. it's that's why he's against equality at the end of the day because to get to achieve equality you have to dispense with the the value hierarchy itself and that's unacceptable and this hmm. entire screed is promoting why and what to do about it from from Zarathustra's perspective. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 perfect. It's you you can't even begin to delineate if you don't if you don't take justice into account. That's right. Um, and it, you have you have to differentiate between men at that point, and there will be winners and there will be losers, and you cannot let vengeance rule in your heart depending on where you end up on that scale mm-hmm. it, it it is arbitrary um but there this is why dostoevsky beats nietzsche is because it is arbitrary it is but your primary purpose no matter where you are on that scale is to live for the sins of others yes and to to alleviate them and that's 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 why the superman doesn't that's why the superman falls short right. to some extent right so anyway. so true the the highest you, you want to defeat vengeance, then realize the vengeance that lies in yourself. You're not going to carry the world across the finish line with you, but bear the suffering of others yeah. as forthrightly as you can. It's 
Mm. It is the greatest idea that mankind has ever known. And it's great because the archetype of delivering us from vengeance delivered it to us, period. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's where Nietzsche goes wrong. But that doesn't that doesn't mean it's not it's not literally the only the only idea worthy of removing the damnation that we find ourselves in. So, mm. OK, so great. So. Touching on to the next line, uh, inventors of figures and phantoms shall they be in their hostilities. And with those figures and phantoms shall they yet fight with each other, the supreme fight. Good and evil, and rich and poor, and high and low, and all names of values, weapons shall they be, and sounding sign that life must again and again surpass itself. Aloft will it build itself with columns and stairs, life itself into remote distances would it gaze, and out towards blissful beauties, therefore doth it require elevation. And because it requireth elevation, therefore doth it require steps, and variance of steps, and climbers, to rise striveth life, and in rising to surpass itself. And just behold, my friends, here where the tarantula's den is, riseth aloft, and ancient temple ruins, just behold it with enlightened eyes. Stop right there. Chris, this is the whole conversation that you just put out so perfectly mm-hmm. is is basically explained right here is that it's in the conflict, you know, that you can go up, yeah, so to speak, and, right? And, and he's and, a direct, a completely direct with the with the allegory here, right? Like the the right. metaphor is embedded. It's steps. It's a hierarchy. And it ascends to the heights. It requires elevation. All of that. So, right, right, uh, absolutely. So. Um, the uh, the ancient temples rising out of the tarantula den. We pick back here. Verily, he who were he who here towered aloft his thoughts in stone knew as well as the wisest ones about the secret of life that there is struggle and inequality even in beauty and war for power and supremacy. That doth he here teach us in plainest parable. How divinely do vault and arch here contrast in the struggle. How with light and shade they strive against each other and divinely striving ones, thus steadfast and beautiful. Let us also be enemies, my friends. Divinely we will strive against one another. Alas, there hath the tarantula bit me myself. Oh, hold on, hold on. Enemy. Let's let's dive in right there. Yeah. So divinely, yeah, I think you're right. divinely will we strive against one another. So one, one thing I want to point out, because it's important to this context, at the very beginning of the last bit that Hunter read, it says, inventors of figures and phantoms shall they be in their hostilities. What does that mean? He's talking about the Superman here specifically. He is saying that the weapons of your war do not have to be carnal. He says you can invent the phantoms to do battle. And I think what he's getting at here is that ideas, and ideas lived out, and then ranked by their successfulness can be the way that we engage in the conflict that drives drives true justice. So that I think that's important when we get to this next idea here. And he says, here, perfect. here where the tarantula's den is, riseth aloft an ancient temple ruins. And he says, it towered aloft his thoughts in stone, knew well as the wise ones the seeker of life, that there's struggle and equality even in beauty. You could spend a, a week thinking about nothing but that thought, and you wouldn't exhaust yeah. it. It's the truth. No. Um, he's saying that, and let me, I, I'm stepping into the limits of my understanding on this, so I hope I do a decent job. But it's something like this. 
the tarantula's den placed on an ancient temple it's it's organization itself the fact that the tarantula has organized itself and comprised its ideas betray the concept mm. that there isn't equality inequality already it, it, the fact mm-hmm. that it exists and can be heard speaks to In inherent inequality right it, and, and mm-hmm. it, it's own its own genesis is in inequality it's just like a a communist dictator right it's it's in the it's in the phrase itself yeah it's so true and and, and also if there was never any inequality, if we truly could obtain the utopia, or if we truly lived in the utopia, there would be no need for the tarantula. The tarantula's ideas don't even make sense unless they're firmly rooted in the bedrock of inequality. And that might seem to you like, yes, duh, that's why they're speaking out. But no bigger, duh, that's why that they're wrong. Because they're not going to dispense with the substrate of society and the substrate of the universe and the substrate mm. of even beauty. That, that mm. things that we cannot quantify and articulate are still obviously constrained by inequality. And we know mm. this. It's the same as the scarcity doctrine in economics. That, mm. that the... There is nothing that can be built upon without inequality. And Hunter, it's what you kind of said at the beginning of the show, presciently, uh, was that a fully liberalized structure of ideas will find itself completely without a bottom, right? There will be no foundation to build on. So, yeah. Oh, um, man. I, 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 the, the, that there's struggle and inequality, even in beauty. That's just... it's. It's perfect, and I it's love perfect. that he takes that same idea and he puts it in the architecture of the temple itself, mm-hmm. right? Because that is, if you've ever seen any building, not in America, <laughs> boom, <laughs> got it. <laughs> so, but if you've ever seen any building uh, like the Vatican, for example, like you understand what that phrase means because you've lived in that moment where you've looked at something and you've like realized how insignificant your life is going to be, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It just hits you like a ton of bricks, you know? And it's like, wow. Um, and that, it, because it's beauty. It's beauty within the architecture. It's beauty in the hands that made it. It's beauty in all the dead hundreds of people who knew they wouldn't see it when they started that made it. Yeah. And it's like, it's too much for you to handle because you realize even there's not a single person that could accomplish that. And he puts it in the temple and it's a reason why our temples are built like that. And it's a reason why you go on a pilgrimage. You talked about this early, Christopher, it's to a place to see art. And that art is usually a building, right? (laughs) Right. There's so much. And it's just, anyway, it's such an amazing idea. Like Christopher said, think about that for literally forever. But I love this too. And I love that you, you pulled this out and I didn't see it. The inventors of figures and phantoms, shall they be in their hostilities? And yeah. with those figures and phantoms, they shall yet fight. That's the idea that you and me can talk. And instead of having a war, we can actually get to a new place through dialogue, the dialectic that we like to talk about Absolutely. so much. And this is here in the last line, thus, or the last line that I read. Thus steadfast and beautiful, let us also be enemies, my friends. Iron sharpens iron, brother. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, and it's that idea just perfectly stated there. And it's already, you know, and it's just, and, you know, he, no doubt. He says that they'll contrast how light and shade they strive against each other. The divinely striving ones, this, the, the fight itself is divine. Let us also be enemies, my friends. Divinely, we will strive against one another. As you can see from his perspective, the deliverance from vengeance will come from striving divinely. Um, there's so many things that you could learn from that, but but exactly what you said, Hunter, the, that we can we can that your friends can be your enemies if it means that you're going to improve the world together, and mm-hmm. that's I know in our own life we've been characterized by that frequently and sometimes our striving doesn't turn out so divine but regardless um you can learn a thing or two from other people who are also hunting the truth and that's what carl pooling is all about in a lot of ways you know and i think it's beautifully immaculately stated here by by um nietzsche so it's the best the best ideas right so let's uh let's uh let's read the last little section here Mm -hmm. Um, finally some humility yeah for real (laughs) yeah it's not something he's known for uh alas and and to be frank it's not something that that i feel like we were known for at the start of the show we're talking (laughs) about the listener counts but you know neither here nor there i guess here's a little humility for us okay uh alas there hath the tarantula bit me myself mine old enemy divinely steadfast and beautiful it hath bit me on the finger punishment must there be, and justice, so thinketh it. Not gratuitously shall he here sing songs in honor of enmity. Yea, it hath revenged itself, and alas, now will make it my soul also dizzy with revenge, that I may not turn dizzy, however. Bind me fast, my friends, to this pillar. Rather will I be a pillar saint than a whirl of vengeance. Verily, no cyclone or whirlwind is Zarathustra. And if he be a dancer, he's not at all a tarantula dancer. Thus spake Zarathustra. So, man, this is the part that you have to learn from, right? Um, mm. What do you do when you're faced with the revenge? He's even as the Superman self-proclaimed. He's he's susceptible to the sting, right? And kryptonite, and and thinks he's justified in it, and it probably is justified in it because. Mm. He he. The tarantula is sitting here singing songs in honor of its of its enmity and its maleficence, and yet he needs his partners, those who divinely strive with him, so that he doesn't become a whirlwind of vengeance. Um, hmm. That's the right answer. Like that. If you fail to do that, then what are you? What sins are you? Are you bearing? What suffering of others are you dealing with forthrightly? None. So this is such a good point too. going back to us that sometimes I think one of the things that's characteristic of even the strivings between you and me at times, you know, is is the fact that despite they happen, we're willing to we're willing to admit our own faults. We're willing to admit when we need to be restrained. We're willing to admit when we've gone too far. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think I think that's it's the ability to admit that you're wrong to some extent, right? And I think if you don't have that when you're striving with your friends with these made-up weapons, so to speak, right? 
then then you're always going to be you could say it's the flaw in the superman because it seems to be the it, it seems to be the obvious flaw but it seems to be also the characteristic of the superman that he would never commit the flaw mm. right um and so it it has to be it has to be something that's realized as a vulnerability and then proper caution taken for it um and i think it's something that we've managed so far christopher to to keep at bay in our own lives and i hope we continue to um because it it's uh it is it is it is a war in some sense, right? It to to fight with ideas and to discuss all these things and to handle them in that arena. And it's a thin line between having a real world war at times with people. It's always conversations when they get heated that they actually start they actually can potentially could become bloody. Yeah. Um too. So, anyway. That's true. It it's a good warning to people like me who get pumped up by the first paragraph um you know <laughs> that's true yeah yeah so anyway that's... not that you need it but that but that it's a good point sure but i do um man that's the tarantulas by by nietzsche and thus spake zarathustra i think it's one of the most relevant pieces of philosophy for america right now if you're a tarantula if you can have a moment of clarity and see the vengeance that peeks out at your own life and that you're replacing will to equality for virtue and justice, then I would humbly ask that you reconsider, that you realize that the monuments that your own relative comfort are built upon were, were created on the backs of mountains and mountains of inequalities that were geared towards the highest hope, that were, that were emblematic of rainbows after long storms. And if you're someone who sees the equality doctrine the same way that, that uh, Nietzsche did, don't allow the poison of their sting to turn you into a tarantula dancer uh Mm. it's it's a solemn solemn warning uh anyhow i think that's going to be the show so email us at carlpulling at gmail.com let us know what you think hey this has been a little bit of a different episode going line by line through some philosophy so if you have any thoughts or feelings about how that went uh let us know. Oh, cool. And we have uh, 400 subscribers. So uh, oh, you know, that's great. So, <laughs> not so well. We're learning We're learning humility in uh, real time. It's amazing so they did that before we even posted the episode. Uh, it's true. I don't know how they knew. <laughs> uh, anyhow, yeah, let us know what you think. Or if there's something that we missed, like we said, this text is dense. Um, let's keep the conversation going. Go to our website website at carlpooling.com follow hunter at emotional carl follow me at chris x carl follow the show at carl pooling rate review like itunes facebook spotify you know where people go and uh also some listeners reached out to us this week and gave us some suggestions for topics and we're looking into those so i appreciate everybody that contacted us and uh yeah we're gonna keep after it over here uh, this is the enemy. This is the tarantula. And it's it's amazing to see how prescient Nietzsche saw this threat 
uh, that, you know, was at least 30 years his senior in Russia, you know, and, and yeah, it still haunts us today. Uh, what can you do other than engage in divine striving and, and the most divine strive with the benefit of FNX fit. So carpooling.com uh, slash FNX use checkout called carpooling for 15% off Hunter. Um, yep. Say you got bit and you're not sure it a... if it was like a recluse or a widow mm-hmm. or a barn spider mm-hmm. or a tarantula. Right. So you go to a toxicologist and Mm-hmm. You would need to, before they gave you a specific antivenom, it would be important right. for them to determine what what breed the poison came from. What, okay. what I'm trying to say is that get tested. Okay.